Uh, Romans chapter 10 is where we're going to be today. Looking at uh, our next point here, mark number four of a healthy church, the gospel. Now, I know what you might be thinking, oh, man, another gospel message? Pastor Dean, that's all you preach about. And you'd be right, and I'm not going to change. <laughs> all right, we need to preach the gospel over and over and over again to ourselves. Hi, Henry. All right. One of those kinds of days. All right, Romans 10. Uh, we'll be looking at uh, verse, uh, well, we'll start in verse uh, 13 and kind of read through a couple more of them. All right, let's read, and then we'll pray, and then we'll study it together. All right, starting in verse 13 of Romans 10. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would be with us as we study this text this morning. Uh, Lord, I know that we only have a few moments as we go through this passage, but I pray that it would soak into our hearts. Uh, Lord, uh, if we have never believed in the gospel, I pray that we would come to a proper understanding of it. Uh, but Lord, even for those who, who are believers, uh, who, who know the gospel, I pray that we would know how to communicate that with people and to do it in a way uh, that would be beneficial for them and honoring to you. I pray that you just be with us now. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the gospel. I think if I were to ask you, uh, and probably spoilers with what I just talked about really quickly with the kids, uh, but uh, what is the gospel? Uh, we would probably be able to say it's good news. That's what the word means. Eon Gelion. That got beat into me by uh, my evangelism professor in Bible college. Uh, he, he had a nasally voice, so I always remember Eon Gelion. And he would say that over and over again in the classroom. Uh, but that has stuck with me. It means good news. Uh, now, uh, good news, uh, it means that there has to be some kind of a void uh, before it can become good news. For example, if you went to a, a billionaire and said, you just won $1,000, is that really good news for him? No, right? Like, he's, he's a billionaire. He doesn't need a $1,000. Or maybe for you, if I came to you and gave you an inflatable raft, uh, would that be good news for you? Probably not. You don't really have a need for it. Uh, but I was watching some news clips uh, this past week, and someone in Houston was given an inflatable raft, and that saved their life. It was very good news for them. There has to be a need, is what I'm saying. There has to be a need for it to be good news, some kind of a void. All right, so uh, uh, whether there's, there's some kind of a, a need that you have of uh, maybe a financial need, and, and you're, in, you're in a hole financially, and you get some kind of help in that, and wow, that's good news. It's exciting news. It's not okay news. All right, it's, it's not just, oh, well, I, I, if I had to say whether it was good or bad, I guess it would lean more on the good side. This is exciting. It is vibrant. It is good, great news. All right, that's, that's what the word gospel means. All right, but like I said, there has to be a void. All right, so uh, if you look in your bulletins, we've broken it down into the bad news of the gospel and the good news of the gospel. The reason why I put it in such simple terms is so that all of us can know. If, if you were to go to someone, uh, I, 
I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I, I believe that most of us probably in this room would say that we are believers, that we are Christians, that we believe the gospel. All right, so uh, if you were to go to someone and who doesn't know the gospel, what would you say to explain it? It's kind of an, it's, it, it's an easy question maybe in some ways, but it's also a very hard question to be able to say, all right, in any circumstance, how could you go to someone and say, this is what the gospel means? Well, you have to start off, I believe, with telling them the bad news. Because there is bad news. There is a void there that makes the good news good. All right, uh, the first thing that you see there is that God is holy. That is the first point of having bad news. Um, you might say, oh, that's a little weird to say that the bad news is God. Uh, but the bad news is that he is who he says he is. He is holy. Uh, what does that mean? It means totally separate. Uh, in, in the context of scripture, we see that he cannot stand sin. So much so that when Jesus bore the sins of the world, what did God do? What did God the Heavenly Father do? Turned his back. Uh, which is an amazing thing in itself. And there's a lot that we could get out of that. But, uh, but that's how much that God detests uh, he hates sin. And that, that's what the, uh, the writer of Psalms says. He hates sin. All right? uh, he is holy. So that automatically means that, that there is some kind of, uh, of a judgment that is looming. Because he is holy, because he is God, and he is the creator of the universe, he has a right to say how things are to work. Right? Uh, that's one of the biggest things that we need to fight for Genesis 1 through 3. Because if God isn't the creator and didn't personally create you, then he has no right to tell me what to do. All right? So he, he is holy, and he is saying that he desires holiness. Not only that he is holy, and he can maybe understand that if, if you're not holy, that's one thing. No, he, he demands holiness. The bad news is God is holy, and that you are not. You are a sinner. We see that. I don't think that we need to, this is just all introduction for our sermon today. Uh, but uh, we can see that in Romans 3.23. We can see that in Romans 6.23. You can go down the Romans road and find all kinds of uh, statements that would point us to this conclusion that you are a sinner. What does that mean? That means that you are not worthy of God. That means that in your mind, in your heart, the things you do, the things you think, the things you feel, it's all corrupted by sin. Uh, I'm a firm believer in total depravity. What that means is not that everyone is as bad as they ever could be. All right? Not all of us are psychopaths. Not all of us are murderers. All right? But that every aspect of who you are, of who I am, is affected by sin. So what that does is it separates us, right? We have these two categories, if you will, where one category is God, and he's holy. And we have this other category for sinfulness, and it's everyone. All, everyone. Uh, Adam and Eve, everybody all throughout creation, uh, all throughout history, has been corrupted by sin. So that's the bad news. You are a sinner. And you might think, oh, that's not too bad. I could, I could get away with that maybe. I'm, I'm fine with just being called a sinner. doesn't matter me, none. But it does matter to God. And the third point is that judgment is coming. And judgment is sure. We know that. God is holy. He's not just going to sit back and say it's all right. All right. If he did that, well, you've, you've probably heard the, the different phrases for 
uh, or uh, different stories of like a, a judge letting someone get off the hook, right? He wouldn't be a good judge, right? Well, if God lets us off the hook with our sin, he is not God, right? Judgment is coming. Judgment is sure. That's the bad news, all right? But then, of course, we have the good news. So there, there's this void, and, and, there, and there's nothing we could do to fill that void, Right? There's, there's nothing that we can attempt in ourselves to kind of make ourselves better because, again, all of us, every, every aspect of our being is affected by sin. So uh, even the good things that you do most likely are for selfish reasons, right? Like even think about it at home. Uh, husbands, if you, if you do the dishes, why are you doing the dishes? Because you want something, right? Uh, because because you, you want to please your wife or something like that. Uh, you want to... Uh, get on her good side. Uh, we, we have selfish reasons for the things that we do, even the good. All right? uh, there, there are people in Houston who are not doing uh, you know, good, good things for right reasons. All right? That happens because we're sinners. All right? But uh, there's nothing we could do to fill that void. But God did. And so the, the first point here of the good news of the gospel is Jesus is merciful. All right? uh, so God is holy. But God, in, in, in Jesus Christ, is merciful. He offers his mercy. How do he do that? Simply, uh, I mean, what, what Paul says in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, the, what is the gospel? That Christ died, was buried, and that he rose again. Those three ideas, died, buried, risen. Right? That, that, that is the gospel. That's what Jesus did for us. It's what in a few moments we're going to be uh, remembering what Christ did for us. Jesus is merciful. Jesus paid the price that you could not. He, he, he paid all of it on the cross. Now, I know this is, uh, this is a review for a lot of us, but this is, this is what separates a healthy church and not, really. Uh, for, uh, you want to be a healthy church, you have, a, have to have a proper view of the gospel and be able to communicate that to others. Uh, all right, so, so Jesus paid the price that you could not, and then Jesus rose. Why? To give us new life. It's not that the gospel is this thing that we, we believe and it's done. And, and uh, it's, it's all about that getting you to that salvation point where you're justified. And then no more gospel for you. All right? uh, it, it's ongoing. Jesus rose. Uh, we know from Paul that he rose to give us life. It is a continued thing. It's what we believe the gospel. Uh, and we live it out constantly. Over and over and over again, uh, which as uh, um, uh, John Bunyan said, the, the life of a Christian is constant repentance. It's over and over again, just repenting of sin because of what you understand about the gospel. Uh, it, it's not something that you just believe and you're done with. It's something that you continue with day by day by day by day. All right. So that is the bad news of the gospel. That is the good news of the gospel. What makes the gospel good. All right. Um, now, I, I like I said, I, I think that I'm, I'm stepping out on a limb and thinking that most of us understand that. All right. But how do we communicate that? All right. Uh, I, I think that uh, one of the most important things of why a church exists is to be uh, the light bearers to the world. All right. We, we are essentially a lighthouse that shines the light of Christ to those who need it. Uh, that, that, that is why the church exists. Otherwise, why don't we just get zapped up into glory, right, when we become a Christian? We are here to live out the Christian life in the midst of those who do not know Christ so that at some point we can communicate that 
to them, and they could receive the gospel and come to saving faith in Christ. That, that is why we exist. So how do we do that? Well, uh, we have verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This beautiful promise. All right, what is required for salvation? It's not, uh, it's not works. It's not some, some system that you have to go through, some class that you have to go through, and, and eventually at the end you'll get your degree of, of uh, now you're saved. That's not what it is. No, he says everyone, which uh, offers it up, right? Uh, it's not uh, exclusive in that only a few. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Uh, this idea of calls an interesting idea it basically means that you need help uh, it, it's not just of uh, uh, someone who says uh, that they maybe need one little thing and it's kind of an apathetic kind of thing it's desperation uh, it's what the people of Houston are going through right now of calling out for help uh, uh, you know you you've seen all the news clips that have gone out of uh, families that have said you know I, I called the police and it was uh, you know, 36 hours or even more that they, they didn't come for me or whatever until someone came by. All right, maybe you even saw the, the clip of that CNN reporter, uh, Ed something. All right, uh, but he, he was going through on a boat just showing a video of what was happening there in Houston. And they hear, they hear someone uh, who is desperate. And they go to this family, uh, this house, and uh, there's a woman there who says that her parents uh, uh, who are... Um, Elderly, who uh, I think one of them had dementia, and they're saying, we need help. There was desperation there. They had been waiting there all night to be rescued. But they heard this sound, and they called out. All right, that, that's what needs to happen in the life of someone who wants to understand the gospel. Everyone who calls out, that knows that they need help, and they cry out, they call out for what? On the name of the Lord. They need Jesus. It's as simple as that. Someone calling out, everyone who calls out and says, I need Jesus, will what? Be saved. There's no questioning. Uh, and, and again, uh, for, for those who might think that you could lose your salvation, uh, this is pretty clear. Will be saved. There's definite language to that. All right, uh, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, who says, I need Jesus, essentially, will be saved. All right, verse 14, how does that look, or what does that look like? What is the process of that? Well, uh, he gives us basically this uh, kind of interesting look at the salvation process. He kind of re-engineers it. Uh, it's kind of like a, maybe, maybe when you were a kid, you wanted to find out how something worked. And, and you kind of broke it down to see how all the pieces worked. Uh, I, I remember doing that with a toaster when I was a kid. Uh, of taking it apart and trying to figure out, not while I was plugged in, all right, uh, but unplugged it, took it apart, and, and tried to figure out how does this thing work. That, that's what Paul does here. He, he kind of takes the, the, the gospel process apart and, and shows us what it really looks like, how it functions, and he kind of re-engineers it. And he does this thing, he kind of plays devil's advocate, which is a little weird to say when you're talking about 
uh, the Bible. All right, but he, he kind of does that and says, all right, well, what does that look like? And uh, he kind of has a little bit of an argument with himself on this. All right, verse 14. How then will they call on him? So uh, that end goal of calling, uh, of that desperation, that saying, I need Jesus. How does that happen? How can they call on him? In whom what? They have not believed. All right, so here, here's that first step. Uh, how do you get uh, to that point of calling out in desperation and saying, I need Jesus, which we would say is justification, all right, uh, salvation, another word for it. All right, how do you get to that point? First, you've got to believe. All right, uh, you have to believe. What does that mean? It means to have faith. It means to trust. Uh, it is, basically, this means that you must trust uh, Jesus Christ. Now, in order to trust someone, uh, you you, you got to know that person, right? I mean, that would be as simple for us. Uh, say you needed help. Like, let's say there was a flood in your basement, uh, and you you are going to call help. Uh, who who are you going to call for help? It's not going to be Pastor Dean. I mean, I'll I'll come and help you with buckets and stuff, but I don't know how to to do any plumbing. Who are you going to call? You're going to call a plumber. Right, that you and you trust that plumber. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've heard about him, uh, or you've uh, you maybe you've used this plumber before, or this company before, or you've read up reviews. There's some kind of knowledge that you have about this one, and you're putting your faith, your trust in this plumber to come and help you with this problem that you were having. All right, uh, that's, that's basically what is happening here. How can you call on him for salvation unless you believe in him, you have faith and trust that this person can actually help you? Again, uh, if, if there is some kind of huge issue that's going on, you're not calling just anyone. You're calling someone who you know that can actually do something about that problem. All right, so we know uh, a couple, couple months ago, uh, I, I showed uh, the kids uh, uh, what, what sin is kind of like, and I gave them a whole bunch of hymnals, maybe you remember that, and they were holding it and saying, all right, this is what your sin is like. How can you get rid of that? Well, uh, you have to have someone come and take that from you, and it can't be someone who has their hands full with sin as well. right? It's, Jesus is the only one with his hands free to come and take that burden from you. All right? And so Jesus is the only one who can help. And we have to know him. We have to have faith in him. And how does that even work? How, how can you believe in him? Well, G, uh, Paul uh, continues this thought. And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? How can you trust somebody that you don't know? Right? We want to be wise. Uh, like, uh, example, uh, you're going on vacation. You're going on vacation somewhere and uh, you got to leave your house. Uh, maybe maybe you got cats or something that need to be fed, uh, plants that need to be watered. And, and you take your keys and you walk down the street. You go over to McDonald's and the first person in line, you say, hey, take care of my house. See ya. I'm going on vacation. Would you do that? I don't think so. Right? That, that, that's, that's pretty silly. All right? You, you would want to trust that, that valuable property right, with someone that you know. And maybe not just even someone that you know, but someone that you trust. And you say, all right, well, they have a good track record. Uh, I've heard this of them. I've seen that in them. I'm going to trust you with this. Here are the keys. I'm going on vacation. 
Right? That's the same thing here. How are you to believe in him? How can you trust in Jesus if you've never heard of him? It's impossible. Right? Uh, it, it's, it's that thing of maybe uh, you've, you've got a, a problem in, in the home and it's because uh, something wasn't communicated to you. And you explain maybe to your spouse or your kid that if I knew about it, then I'd be able to do something about it. Right? But I didn't know. How, how, can, how can a sinner, and remember, uh, let's be uh, remembering of Ephesians 1, uh, the children of wrath, even as we were. All right, Let's have a little bit of humility in that. How can a sinner come to saving faith in Christ if they have never heard uh, of Jesus? If they've never heard that there is a problem with their sin? They can't. So what is the logical conclusion? Who's going to tell them? Who is it? That's Paul's question. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Now again, uh, preaching, we talked about that. Uh, that was our first mark of a healthy church, biblical preaching. And what is that? Uh, it's public yelling. It is going out and, and saying, this is uh, a message that I have, and we talked about that being with the herald. All right, you are that herald. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you are that herald, and you are to preach. You are to preach, not just Pastor Dean, not just the deacons, not just the leaders in the church, every single Christian. He doesn't say uh, someone who is educated, right? He doesn't, he doesn't say without someone who is who has a degree to go and preach. He doesn't say someone who is extremely talented to go and preach. Someone who has the confidence uh, beyond maybe some of his peers, they should go and preach. He says someone. That's you. That's me. We're somebody. We need to preach. We need to preach that message of the gospel, the good news and the bad news of it. Explain that in a way that people can understand so that they can trust. So that they can call on Jesus Christ for salvation. That's the process. It starts with someone being willing to go out and talk to somebody about Jesus. Now we, in, in our Canadian culture, we... We don't like that. It kind of puts us out of our comfort zones, right? Uh, we want to build uh, a relationship with someone, and I'm all for that. I'm not the guy who, who says we need to be out on the street corner preaching. Uh, if you've been around me long enough, you know that I'm not a huge fan of that. Uh, but uh, at some point, you know, in that relationship that we build with someone, we better say something, right? It might not be day two of your friendship with someone, all right, but don't put it off. Don't procrastinate. You don't know what's going to happen. And we need to have that boldness to be that somebody who is going to preach, who knows the gospel, who can communicate the gospel, uh, who, who has sat down long enough to say, all right, well, how do I explain the gospel to a three-year-old? How do I explain the gospel to an 80-year-old? Who have thought through those kinds of questions so that when we go out and we have relationships with people, we, we have that, that open door sometime. If you pray for it, God will give it to you. I guarantee you that. If, if you pray for, for God to give you an opportunity for the gospel, at some point he's going to open that up. 
And it might not be the perfect one that maybe you're thinking of, but there is something in there, something in that conversation that you could turn and say, this is something I need to share with you. And yes, it's kind of scary. But if we truly understand the gospel and we know that bad news, number three, judgment is coming, then I think we'll be a lot more uh, willing to, to maybe risk some of our uh, feelings and be able to communicate that gospel. So, to preach the gospel, you must know the gospel, you must believe the gospel, and you must speak the gospel. It's not just you know, uh, deeds. Um, I'm forgetting who it was that said, uh, uh, preach the gospel and if needed, use words. It was some, they, they attribute that to someone ancient, I'm forgetting who. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's not just that. Yeah, you should. You should live it out. You should be able to show that love in the things that you do. But at some point, you're going to have to communicate. And that requires words. The gospel requires using words. So you have to speak it. For an example, when I was, uh, when I was 12, so 16 years ago, uh, this, this, this text was preached to me. And I was 12 years old, and I knew that, well, someone could be me. I'm going to do that. And I dedicate my life to be, uh, becoming a pastor to communicate that gospel. So what is God calling you to do? He's got a plan for you. He's got people in your life for a reason. What is God calling you to do to communicate that gospel? Who are you to tell? Uh, might be silly thought, but uh, the thought comes up of Wayne Gretzky, what he said. You, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. Uh, don't, don't let fear be your ruler in, in those relationships and saying, well, I don't know what they're going to say, so I, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything about the gospel. I'm not going to communicate that to them. Uh, you guarantee that that person won't come to saving faith if you're not uh, if you're not going to communicate the gospel to them, if someone else isn't going to communicate the gospel to them, you need to do it. We need to preach to everyone, right? That's what Mark tells us. He, he tells us even just in case we were kind of uh, like thinking maybe we could get out of it. He says, preach the gospel to who? Every living creature, right? So just in case you were thinking, well, uh, people means my friends. Mark says, no, it's everybody. And we need to do that in order to be a healthy church. Uh, why, why are we here at, uh, as Fairmont Baptist Church? Uh, yes, to, to have fellowship. Yes, to, to be in the Word together, to grow together. But also uh, to be a, a safe place for sinners to come in and to hear the gospel. A safe place for Christians to come in, hear the gospel, learn more, uh, be able to communicate that gospel and go out and live it out and say it to somebody in those relationships that we have. That's how we can be a healthy church. So uh, don't let fear keep you from your purpose of knowing that gospel, of believing that gospel, and of speaking that gospel. So think about it this week. Think of someone. I'm going to be really really practical here and say you should share the gospel with someone this week maybe, maybe I'll think about it in your own mind when was the last time you shared the gospel I say this to myself as well of someone that you know is not a Christian when was the last time you shared your faith do it this week 
Think about it. Think about someone who you know that you're going to come into contact with. Maybe it's someone at work who, who you've been praying about. Or, or maybe a family member that you know you're going to be getting together with. Share the gospel with them. Share with them the bad news that they need Jesus. Share with them the good news is that Jesus wants them. And he's done everything that is required for them to be saved. If they hear about him, if they believe in him, if they call on him for salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Uh, God, I pray that we would be a healthy church in evangelism. I know uh, I, I talk about this a lot because it's so important, because you talk about it so much. Uh, God, I pray that we would be people who would be bold. Uh, Lord, that we would not be uh, intimidated by others, but that we would communicate the gospel. And sometimes that means uh, telling someone, I don't know all the, the answers to your questions, but this is what I believe. Uh, God, I pray that you would help us to do that. You would give us boldness, give us the right words, give us the opportunity. Uh, Lord, I pray for opportunities for my fellow saints here uh, that this week, that you would just open up the door in a conversation, that we would just know this is the time and that we would take advantage of that time and that we would tell them about a loving Savior who could redeem them from their sins, who paid all uh, the price necessary for them to be redeemed and who died and was buried and who rose again. Uh, God, I pray that you would help us do that. Uh, I pray that we would not forget about this throughout the week. It's so easy for us to be focused on our own things, uh, Lord, of uh, our own agendas, our own tasks that we need to get done, uh, uh, and, and we don't think about things spiritually. I pray that you would remind us, use your Holy Spirit to uh, just shake us up, uh, that in the week here, when we, when we get into those moments, that we would find a way uh, to communicate the gospel. Lord, we know that those loved ones that we pray for, uh, you've given us a, a, a great opportunity to be uh, a person of influence in their life, Lord. Uh, you don't need to use some random stranger to bring them the gospel. You could use us. And I pray that you would help us to have boldness to be used by you. Uh, I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.